And it's often in that survivorship stage that it really like there's long-term body changes and side effects. And often that's when emotionally both the caregiver and the patient start to be like, what just happened? And then that's often the moment when our supporters have disappeared because they're like, oh, look, they rang that bell. They must be fine. Hello and welcome. Thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Today we're visiting Negative Space with Allison. It's a podcast and a webpage for caregivers who are often not seen, not heard, not validated. Allison Breininger is with The Negative Space. Are you the founder? I am. Founder, creator, all that good stuff. Tell us, what is The Negative Space? Yeah, thanks so much for having me and for giving me an opportunity to talk about it. The Negative Space is a nonprofit that I started, and our mission is to change the way family caregivers are seen and supported. I started this because 13 years ago, my husband, who is now 45, was diagnosed with a rare genetic disease that causes cancer at a rate of around 750 times that of the rate of the rest of us. Your jaw is dropping. Yes. And so it's true. We, in the last 13 years, he's had a bone marrow transplant and multiple, multiple cancers. In my early 30s, I was sort of thrust into this role of being his caregiver. I had no medical background. I We had a small child. I was in the education space. It was just, not, I was not prepared in any way. As I've continued to go through this, I don't really love the word journey, but you know what I mean? This path as his caregiver, what I've seen is that there's lots of resources out there for him as the patient, but I am there going through these surgeries and these procedures and these appointments and my life has been flipped upside down and yet there's very little recognition or support for me and for my role. And that reminded me of the artistic concept of negative space. And so what that is, is everything that's in the background of a picture. So it's not the thing that's that your eye is drawn to in the middle, the focal point. It's everything around it that you don't really pay attention to, but that really makes up the picture. And when I thought about that, I realized that's what negative space is. That's what caregivers are. We are in the background of the picture. Without us, the whole picture would change. And yet we're very often unseen and unnoticed and recognized and definitely unseen supported. So we started this nonprofit, taking my husband's nonprofit background and my education background. And we have kind of two big goals. One is to provide direct support to caregivers. So I do one-on-one coaching with them. I have a podcast. We do support groups. We have social media content. We have caregiver gifts. But the other is really to change the conversation, I say, but I, I in, instead it's really more start the conversation about caregivers. There are 53 million of us family caregivers in this nation. Nobody's talking about it. I do things like I speak to medical professionals or people who are studying to be medical professionals or social workers or health systems or lobbyists to really try to get the word out that we are here and we are being impacted and that we need and deserve support. First of all, that you went through this at such a young age. Yeah. Often we see caregivers as maybe people that are taking care of elderly. Or, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you say resources, what do caretakers need? Mm, so much. But, you know, I think a big thing, because when often people hear that and they think they need a, a brochure about another organization, right? And it's it's so much more than that. I think a big the biggest thing they need, first of all, is recognition. And that can be from family, from friends, from people in their faith community, from the medical professionals, just to say, like, I see that you caregiver are part of the story. This must be impacting you too. This must be really hard. Thank you for everything you're doing for your person. The five sentences I just said would mean the world to caregivers. So I think number one, it's that it's recognition. Then in addition, we need practical help. 
So very few caregivers are going to give up or delegate our caregiving responsibilities. You know, I'm not going to say, hey, will you take my husband to this really important doctor's appointment? But my plate is so full with caregiving tasks and parenting and working that I have all the other daily tasks that most people are doing in addition to everything. And so if somebody said, and this actually happened this fall, someone I live in Minnesota, lots of huge trees. Someone said, hey, I imagine your plate is full. I would love to come rake your leaves in the next few weeks. Is that okay? Yes, that is okay. Just taking that other things off my list so that I have that much more time and energy in my day to spend on him, on our daughter, on my work, on myself. We need recognition and then we need a practical help and support. This is what I hear from my friends who are care caregivers. Yeah. People will say anything you need and then <laughs> my friends won't ask for it. Yes. So how can yes. people be more specific, like just what you said? Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because that's what people say. They're well-meaning and they say, let me know how I can help. If I explain sort of what happens in my brain, if you, Lori, if at the end of this, you say, Allison, I'd love to help you. You just let me know how I can help. I have to sort of figure out in my brain, what does she mean? Does she really mean it? And what does she mean? And what is she good at? And what is her tolerance level? And does she like animals? Can she drive? You know, all of these things. I don't have time for that. Yeah. So instead, these really specific offers, even if it's dinner, to say, I would love to bring your family dinner this week. Would Tuesday or Thursday be better? I can certainly say no. But again, in the Midwest, you know, we often have, we have to say, we have to like say no three times to a nice thing before we accept. <laughs> but if you're really coming to me with a specific thing like that, I'm like, oh, she means it. She really means it. And so I think as specific as possible or to say, I think our kids are on the same soccer team. I would be happy to drive your, pick your kid up and drive him to soccer practice. <gasps> What? That would be amazing. Really as specific as you can possibly get. And even things like I've had friends who have said, hey, I'm on my way to the hardware store. Anything you need? Hey, I'm going to Target tomorrow. Let me know what you might need. As specific as possible because caregivers feel like we don't deserve the care. We don't deserve the support. We just want to feel like we can take care of all of it on our own. And so we really need to hear that the asker means it, that they sincerely want to help and that they're not going to make us do the brain task of saying like, I don't know what I need. I don't, you know what I mean? As specific as possible and sincere. I love that because I feel like so often people feel so helpless. They know there is something they can do and they may be afraid of a no, but let them have their no. It's okay right. too, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what caregivers need to hear as well is that our friends are out there wishing they could help and they really love it. Like if I called a friend right now and said, you know what? I really could use help with this and this, they would probably be delighted because they would know they were really meeting my need as opposed to like dropping off a tuna casserole and not knowing if I like it or not. I think that caregivers also need to see that we're giving a gift to our friends by letting them help us. I do want to just note there's an app that I use that I highly recommend. It's a free app. It's called IANA Care, which stands for I Am Not Alone. And it really kind of combines all the apps that you might, people have maybe have used before in situations like this, like Meal Train and Caring Bridge and lots of helping hands. It kind of puts them all into one. So I have a team on my app. And so if I say something like, I really need someone to run to the drugstore for me right now. I can just, instead of thinking, who might I text and are they around? And what if they don't answer? I can just put it in the app and say, here's a need. Everybody on my team gets a little push notification that says Allison has a request. They can ignore that completely, or they could say, not this time, or they could say, yeah, I got that. And if they click on, yeah, I got that, they get all the information, all the details. So I don't even have to talk to them. It's all right there. Wow. That's awesome. So I highly recommend IANA, I-A-N-A Care. It's just free in the app store and it's amazing. Oh my goodness. That's so wonderful. It's often family dynamic can get really messy with this. And then that just can heighten the situation. It's true. We want to be specific and we want to be sincere, 
But I, you're right. I don't, I don't want to skin to be bullies to say, no, I'm bringing you dinner. So respect that if that caregiver says, actually, you know what? We've got a fridge full of casseroles. We are good to go. But ask again in three weeks or no thanks to let the no be out there mm-hmm. because there's this theory that I love called the ring theory, which is all about that the patient is in the middle. If you picture sort of a bullseye, the patient's in the middle and then the first caregiver and then the next and the next and the next and the next and the next. And you only, you get to comfort people who are in a smaller circle than you and you get to dump out into a circle that's bigger than you. And what they need to do is dump out and like sort of process what's happening by reaching to someone who's in a bigger circle or is more removed from the situation. This was created by a psychologist who was, she had breast cancer and her friend came to visit her in the hospital and then cried on her husband's shoulder. And it's like, no, 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 no. You can go find a different person to go cry on, not the husband. Like the husband's in ring number two, right? And so I think that as supporters, it can be helpful for us to think about where do I fall in kind of the hierarchy? You as a caretaker are invisible, but yet you have to make everything. You're like the thing that makes everything fall into place. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so that, and that makes it even harder, the fact that I'm invisible, right? So I'm doing all this. I'm the glue that's holding it all together and yet invisible. And I think you bring up a good point about the longevity of this. And even if it is a, a two month surgery, let's, let's say someone has a cancer diagnosis, they go through treatment and they come out pretty well on the other end. Often then we say, Oh, good. They're fine. Goodbye. And it's often in that survivorship stage that it really like there's long-term body changes and side effects. And often that's when emotionally both the caregiver and the patient start to be like, what just happened? And then that's often the moment when our supporters have disappeared because Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, look, they rang that bell. They must be fine. For us to think about either the the long timers like me who are 13 years in and still going, but any of your friends that it's not just the sort of the firefighters that show up right away at the beginning, but we need our long-term friends as well to keep checking in on us and to keep supporting us because it's not like, oh, great, they rang the bell, everything's fine and back to normal. Like mm-hmm. we need long-term support. This is something I see with my friends who are caretakers. It's so hard for them. You know what I'm going to say. I to- think I do, but go ahead. To do self-care. Yep, it is. It's so hard for us. And at the same time, the world right now is really obsessed with the term self-care. And so what I'm seeing happen that just makes me feel a little frustrated (laughs) is I'm seeing the world notice caregivers start to realize like, oh, you're doing a thing and it's really hard. And then you know what they say to them? Are you taking care of yourself? Make sure you're taking care of yourself. So there's this quote that is my absolute favorite quote, shouting self-care at people who need community care is how we fail people. Will you say that again? I will. Shouting self-care at people who need community care is how we fail people. Imagine if you said to me right now, like, wow, Allison, your life sounds really hard. You should go take care of yourself. I'd be like, you clearly you're not listening to me, (laughs) but that's what's happening. And then that's making caregivers feel guilty Mm -hmm. that they're not spending the time and the energy and the money. And so it's so hard. First of all, I think that instead of self-care, we need to focus on how can the rest of us circle around these caregivers and provide them with support. And then I think when we think about self-care, because certainly I've learned over these years, there's lots of different things I need to do to survive, to get through this. My nervous system is a pile of ashes. I've been doing this for a long time and I have had to figure out what is my toolkit. Often the media is showing self-care is going off to the spot. It's going off on a retreat. It's going on a trip. Like that is not realistic for most of us caregivers. I call them micro moments of care. And so what are tiny little things that I can do that just help me get through my day? Even like I have a number of coffee mugs that have different fun sayings and I sort of choose one strategically each morning to be like, this is my thing. This is my mantra for the day. I 
work here from home. And so I've set up my home office to have things like a little fountain, right? And so it's just like a little thing. I live in Minnesota, it's freezing cold. And so I have like a really nice electric blanket. So it's just little tiny things, but things that throughout the day, I can say, you know what I'm going to go do right now? Put that electric blanket on my lap, turn on that fountain, light this candle, you know, just things to make a really hard day an inch sweeter. I have things like that all around my house so that I can just within arm's reach at any moment, give myself a little support, give myself something to look forward to. Something that, you know, once it's here, it's not going to cost any money. It doesn't take any extra time, all of those things. I'm a huge proponent of getting extra help, getting therapy. I mean, this is a lot to talk about. And a lot of these things, because it's family dynamics, people don't feel comfortable talking about them with their family members, reaching out to someone like me, who's a caregiver coach or a therapist, just to process, because there's a lot to process when you are witnessing the suffering of your loved one and you're going through this and you're holding all of that. It's a lot to process. And so I think I'm a huge proponent of that as well. What I see with my friends is sometimes it's difficult because the person being cared for doesn't want a substitute. If what you need is time, they don't necessarily want a stranger to come in. Mm-hmm, sit with mm-hmm. them. It's not just your decision anymore. Yeah. Right. So yes, so many things. I think that a lot of us caregivers feel like we don't deserve the care. Like I'm not the one who's sick anyway. So why should I deserve to spend my money on this class? Why should I deserve an hour off? Why should I deserve? And caregivers, you do, you do, you do, you do deserve it. We all do as humans in this hard world. The fact that that is true too, that some people say, well, I can't leave. So I saw this article recently that was like, here's Christmas gifts you can get for a caregiver. But they were all things that like, like a restaurant gift card or a spa gift card or a nails gift card. And it's like, okay, do that. And then say, I'll come sit with your loved one so that you can, whenever you make this appointment, because a lot of caregivers can't just leave their person or their person doesn't want to be with a stranger or with whomever. There are some places where you might just have to say, look, I just, I need this hour. So you're going to hang out with this person for an hour. But I think as supporters to think about, great, send them that massage gift card and then say, and I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to bring a checkerboard and I'm going to play checkers with your mom while you go get the massage and everything. You know what I mean? So to think about all the pieces, it's the hard part is not the massage. It's getting there and and building the time for it. Exactly. I remember when I was a single mom, somebody gave me, I lived on an island and they wanted me to come with them to a store on the other side. And I I couldn't work it out with my kid at school. They said, but we want to see the smile on their face when we buy them all these gifts at this store. And I remember thinking, I struggled because I wanted to be grateful, but also it put all this restrictions on me now that I couldn't. And I had to, I had to pass on this amazing, wonderful gift. I just had to pass on it because it wasn't going to fit their need. Yeah. And again, that sounds like it was kind of about them. Like they really wanted to see the smiles on the face, right? They wanted to see it. And I imagine, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Lori, but I imagine in a moment like that, that you felt like totally unseen. Like you don't, clearly you don't get it. Yeah. You think that I got time for my kids and I to like go to this other island, yeah, right? And I think that that's how I would feel if someone was like, oh, here's the thing, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't get it. And so that that feeling of being unseen is really painful. They think they're doing a great thing and that's well-intentioned. But I think the more we can learn about sort of and stop and think about like, what might Lori's reality be with these this young kid and by herself? What might Allison's reality be? Like to think about that 
and how it's different than their life before they make these assumptions is is helpful. What is your webpage? It is thenegativespace.life. .life. And do you have suggestions for people that are trying to help their loved one who's a caregiver? Yeah, absolutely. There's a whole section that is for supporters. So it connects you to the podcast because in every single podcast episode, we say, all right, now supporters. Here's what you can do. There's things like you can make um, links to that. I have gift boxes that you can buy for them. You can make a donation in their honor, you know, all kinds of, of ideas just that you can go to the website and you can either say I'm a caregiver and I'm here for that or I'm a supporter and I'm here for that lane. And what's the name of the podcast? It's called In Sickness. And so it's a fellow um, spousal caregiver and I and a male, because like you said, when we think of caregiving, we often think about caring for our parents, right? And so that kind of caregiving is getting more media attention and traction. But there's a lot of people like me and like my co-host, Justin, who are in our you know 30s, 40s, caring for a spouse or people caring for kids with special needs. And that's a different kind of hard because we're not retired. We're in the middle of, of our lives. So anyway, we love that our podcast is able to represent sort of both youngish people, but then also spousal caregivers as well. I love that. So when you think about Someone listening who, one, yeah. their best friend, their sister, somebody close to them is is a caretaker. What, yeah. what would you like to say to that person? Mm, to the person whose friend is the caregiver. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say to make a point of reaching out to them regularly and to say to acknowledge what they're doing, to thank them for what they're doing, to offer specific support and connection, but always keep in mind the long to-do list that that person has. So if you send that text, it might say something like, hey friend, I know that your person had some scans this week and that waiting for the results must be feel really hard. I'm thinking of you as you're waiting. And then here's the, the golden phrase, no need to respond. Because if I send that text without that phrase at the end, now suddenly responding is on the caregiver's to-do list. And so just no need to respond. Or, hey, friend, I know that your person has a, an infusion tomorrow. I would love to drop off dinner at your house. Would that work? And if so, would you rather have Italian or tacos? So things like that, just sort of like those little check-ins so that the your friend knows that they are seen and they are remembered and they are acknowledged and they are loved, wow. but but to make it about them and not about you. What do you want to say to the caretaker? Mm. So many different kinds, but just I see you and that I'm in this with you. There's millions of us. It seems like you're the only one doing this. You might feel isolated and you might feel lonely and like nobody gets it. But the thing is just that nobody's talking about it. So just know that you are not alone in this and that there are resources like mine. And I would love to have you be part of our community and come to the, the virtual support groups and meet the other amazing people where you will just see that you're not the only one in this. I will also say to you, caregiver, that you are so worthy of care and support. And I'm sorry if people in your world are not showing up in the way that they should, but just know that you deserve it and you deserve wellness and you deserve care as well. So you said you do coaching. Yeah. I know for me, the people that I know, I can't see them reaching out for coaching to, to just talk. I know that it would benefit them so much. What would you say? I feel like coaching isn't even quite the right word. It's really more that a lot of people have said to me, like nobody gets it. Or even like I've gone to a therapist and they don't get it because they haven't been a caregiver. And they're like, I just want to talk to someone who gets it. And so really it's that. It's like, hey, would you, you know, you might benefit from talking to this person who's been there and is still there and is getting it and who's not going to judge you. And who, I mean, I, I can give resources. I can give support. Some people like to talk logistics. 
But really what people like to do in these sessions with me is just say, here's what happened this week. And it was so hard. And instead of a non-caregiver whose eyes might get really big and they look like they're going to pass out, right? I'm like, yep. Mm -hmm, yep. And they're like, oh, really? You get it? So it's just, it's like a safe space, again, where you can say, because people are guilty or they feel guilty saying like, I feel resentful of my person or I I feel stifled or I feel, you know, like I feel all these things and that can feel really hard to say that to anyone in your circles, but you could say it to me because I get it and I don't know your people and I'm an anonymous, you know, safe person. And so I think you could also just say to them like, hey, you want to meet this Allison for 15 minutes? If you don't like it, no big deal. What do they have to do to get an appointment with you? Yeah, on my website, there's just a place where they can just send me an email and then we can just chat. I can tell them a little bit more about what it's like and if they want to set up a whole hour to, to dig right in or if they just want to like do a 15 minute to, just to meet me. I have a sliding scale. We're a nonprofit because our goal is to like make sure that cost is never an issue for caregivers and that that does not hold them back. So the sliding scale goes all the way down to zero. That being said, we are always open for donations because that's how we run. And that's, that's, we're really dedicated. The, the support groups are free. All of the content is free. Even the, the caregiver gift boxes, there's an option for people to request those at no cost if the cost is prohibitive, but we can only do that if we have donors. So there's a spot on the website to be able to make a donation if you're interested. Awesome. And then, so tell me about sure. the boxes. Yeah. So I have two sizes of the, the boxes. Uh, the theme of the boxes is I'm a part of the story. So it comes, it's like beautifully packaged. I wish your people could see see it on the radio, oh. but it's beautifully packaged and it says I'm part of the story. And then all of the items inside are things that I know that that they're going to need and so and, and cherish. And so sort of like when I said those little micro moments. So there's a gorgeous coffee mug that says I'm part of the story so that you can grab that. Like I've had caregivers, like they just grab that on, you know, in the morning and they're just like, it's their mantra for the day. There's a pair of socks that says, I have a story that I've had people send me pictures of their feet from the hospital, from the bedside. There's a little aromatherapy stick, like a little smelly stick that's a comfort blend that they can just have in their pocket. So when they're sitting in the surgery waiting room, right, there's, it's items like that that are caregiver specific, all with this theme of being part of the story. So I sell those in, in two different sizes. We have a really exciting partnership right now with a Hope Lodge through the American Cancer Society. We got a grant through um, CDC and the Minnesota Department of Health to provide these caregiver gift boxes for the caregivers staying at Hope Lodge. Because at places like that, often the patient shows up and gets all this swag. The caregiver, I kid you not, gets a folder of paperwork. So we have this small grant going right now where the next 142 caregivers who come to the Hope Lodge in Minneapolis are going to get a gift box. And we're hoping to to find more sponsors so that we can continue to do that in a bigger way. And then tell me about the support groups. Yeah, the support groups are probably one of my favorite things that I do because I benefit from it as well. And it just has become such a beautiful gathering space. So we actually, something that's different than a lot of support groups is that we base it on the previous week's podcast topic. So instead of just coming and being like, who wants to talk about something? So like this week, the podcast that came out was about hospitalizations and what it's like to be a caregiver in those before moments, the during moments and after. This week, our support group will be around that topic. And so you don't have to have listened to come, but most of them have. And then that way they come and we have some people who like have taken notes and they're like, oh, and you said that thing. And it's very cool because it's kind of like a book club, but then you get to come talk to the authors and we all get to kind of come around these topics. Every other week we have a podcast is released. And then a few days later we have the support group and they're virtual. So we have people from Australia who join, like we have people from around the world. And it just, I said the thing about when people get it, like it's on Zoom and like a caregiver will share something. And then here's these 20 heads that are just nodding at them. And you can tell they're like, oh, these are my people. 
I get it. It's really beautiful. And I love and I'm honored to be able to, to lead this group because it's, it's, it's quite lovely. So there's a spot on the website where you can sign up to be alerted every time one of those is scheduled. They're free and you can come in and out because we know how caregiver life is. So, oh my yeah. goodness, this has been so great. You've been doing this for 13 years. How long have you been doing the, um, the negative space part of it? Officially, we've been a nonprofit for two and a half years. When you look at how far you've come, what would be your biggest revelation? Hmm, what a good question. I think just that there are so many of us out there that I think if I hadn't started to do this, I would have still thought I was like the only one. That this is like this almost universal. I mean, I'm sure you know the Rosalind Carter quote, you know, who just passed away recently about there are four kinds of people, people who are a caregiver, who will be a caregiver, who need a caregiver or have been a caregiver. Like it's coming for you. Like if, if you haven't done it yet, it, it's going to happen at some point. And so it's this universal thing. And yet it's happening like in the background, in the negative space. And, and people just start talking about it, recognizing it. And so I think I continue to be surprised by that each day that I'm doing this work. And I'm just glad that I can have a voice now to tell people like, you're not alone in this. Like you might feel like it in, in your house doing this all by yourself, but there are so many of us doing this as well. And we get it too. And we think it's hard too. And it's okay to say that it's hard. Cause I think that's another thing that encouraged me to start this is in the beginning, I met caregivers who only talked about like, oh, it's just a gift. It's just a gift to be able to do this for my family member. And that's only part of the story really. And we're allowed to say, it's a gift and it's also very, very hard and having an impact on my life too. I think that the parenting thing has changed a lot in the past, however long that before it, I don't think it probably was very socially acceptable to say like, man, this parenting thing is hard. People didn't say that before. And now I think it's, it's really acceptable to talk about that. And so I'm hoping that that's the same movement we can make with this family caregiving piece because same, like, yes, of course, I'm glad to be my husband's caregiver. I'm glad to be able to help him in this way. And is it the hardest thing I've ever done? Absolutely. Yeah. And is it even harder when I don't get to talk about how it's hard? Yes. <laughs> right. So I'm just grateful to be able to create spaces where people can really share what it's like. That's so amazing. Wow. I'm just so excited to go check out your boxes and all of that. Thank you. You can check out those amazing boxes too. Just go to thenegativespace.life. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in today. I hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.